When a difficult day goes by Keeping it together is hard but that's why You got to try, you got to try And when there's a thundering storm outside Underneath the covers you huddle and hide Open your eyes, open your eyes It's the truth, it's the truth, it's the truth Hi everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of Genre Equality. I'm Hitzer. I'm Hadi. I'm Aisa. And can I just say, right, since the inception of this podcast, I've never been more excited to record an episode. Oh. Superhero movies and comic book shows are great. Yeah. But we have like some real art <laughs> to dig into this month. That's true, that's true. It's just phenomenal for genre entertainment. It is. Yeah. Uh, I'm very cautious with praise usually and how I use words and but I'm going to be using the term masterpiece a lot like I think at least four times today. Like freewheelingly Yeah Yeah uh, Because truly There are no other words To describe uh, Some of the bevy Of outstanding art We are here to review This month mm-hmm. uh, And true. as luck would have it um, A lot of them Share themes actually um, Two of them Are gorgeous titles About climate change Yep Gorgeously crafted uh, Which are Dark Crystal Age of Resistance mm-hmm. And uh, Weathering with You uh, Two of the best And most stunning titles This month Are actually profound stories About Relationships with absent fathers yeah. Through yeah. a stunning cosmic backdrop mm-hmm. Which are Undone and, and Ed Astra uh, Plus we review some Scandinavian folk horror uh, From the director of Hereditary uh, Heartfelt animated musical uh, Not current Tuesday We're talking about Steven in Universe here mm-hmm. The Return of Pennywise um, I'm going to be talking about a scary French horror series in quick hits uh, Victorian steampunk fantasy And uh, of course Young Justice Outsiders mm. And lots more lah. But let's kick off with the first title that popped up Chronologically on, on Netflix It yeah. is uh, The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance um, Before we get into the review uh, Which of you have seen The original Dark Crystal movie From 1982? Um, I just watched it After you recommended it la. So you watched it After, after. season 1? Yeah, yeah, so you yeah. watched it chronologically? La. Actually, yeah, la. Ah, yeah So the, the Dark Crystal Is a sequel to you? Not yes, a prequel? Correct Okay, okay. Yeah. How about you, uh, Isa? Uh, I did watch it When I was like Really, really young. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I definitely, <coughs> I I watched it again after finishing the series. Oh, okay, okay, cool, cool. Um, so, the Dark Crystal of Age of Resistance, as I mentioned, is a prequel to the Jim Henson classic from nineteen eighty two called The Dark Crystal. Um, although you know most of you probably know his work from Sesame Street and yes. the Muppet Show. Yes. Uh, the late great Jim Henson's most personal project, according to himself, was The Dark Crystal, which was an audacious fantasy film, mm. populated by lots of puppets and built on a scale like never before, even by his own standards. Yeah. Um, now thirty seven years later, whew, that's a long time. Thanks to his daughter Lisa Henson, yep. uh, and Netflix comes this meticu- meticulously crafted. And a beautifully faithful prequel to uh, Henson's most cherished world. Yeah. Age of Resistance is a sweeping production. It's grand and gorgeous. And it's an epic that doesn't just stay faithful to the original spectacle look. Mm-hmm. It also stays faithful to its rich lore. Uh, it, in fact, it enhances Henson and uh, Frank Oz's vision with heart and wonder. Uh, but sadly, this awe-inspiring series will have to tackle two daunting obstacles before audiences can even choose to experience yeah. it. Firstly... There are many unfamiliar with the cult classic mm-hmm. yeah. May have been forgotten to t- through time It wasn't really a box office success or anything mm-hmm. uh, That's easily overcome Because the show is engaging and evocative enough To wow first timers And doesn't 
it's you, it's not necessary to watch the dark Pris- the yeah, dark crystal not, before you watch this. Yeah, yeah. The second problem is a little harder to solve. There are a number of large, a large number of modern viewers who may be put off by puppets. Mm. Yep. Do you have puppet bias out there, fans? Actually, even I, I am slightly puppet bias lah. You're biased against puppets. Slightly lah. Okay. Yeah, because I still managed to ke- go through the entire series. Mm-hmm. But they're just at the back of my mind. Oh my god, this there's this like creepiness that I cannot explain. Mm. Yeah, I still enjoyed everything lah. Mm. But yeah, there's a the bit of that. Oh, it's so creepy. Yeah. How about you, Isa? Yeah. Uh, I don't think for me it was puppet bias as much as the fact that I'm used to a particular polish, okay. right? That comes there, and I felt like the puppetry, especially in the beginning, took me a while to adjust to the fact. Like in my head, I knew that okay, you know, it's gonna be puppets. It's gonna not be the same kind of look, not the same kind of feel. Yeah. The synchronization between the voice and the acting itself isn't gonna be like perfect. Yeah. Right. So those were things that I needed to get over, and it took mm. me about two episodes to kind of get there. I mean, I do remember, um, f- kind of fondly, mm. um, the original movie. That and the fact that the the skeksis were fucking terrifying. Mm, grotesque. Uh, yeah. yeah, like that stands out in my memory a, mm-hmm. a fair deal. Um, but I think after two episodes, I was okay with that. Okay. And I think like watching just the amount of work that they had to do in the behind the scenes mm-hmm. thing that add after, wow. Like, yeah. That really yeah. like cemented it for me. I think while the use of old school puppetry techniques, uh, although it is enhanced yeah. by cutting edge CGI as yeah, it is today, yeah. uh, well, it was a major drawing point for established fans. But it, yeah. the aesthetic might be a deal breaker for some neophytes la, who mm. may not go on past the second episode, like I said it or you did, to yeah. actually get over it. And that is a shame, la, because uh, Age of Resistance is, is yeah one of the greatest yeah. I think fantasy narratives to ever be put on the television screens or, or your laptops or whatever yeah, that yeah, is streaming, yeah. right? Uh, and one of 2019's most jaw-dropping TV events. Uh, if your puppet bias holds you back, well, I guess it's your loss. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I think we should recommend people to just push through. La. Try, la, try. Definitely, definitely. Don't don't let your puppet bias hold you back. Yeah. Uh, with that said, let's discuss why we thought this was such a triumph. Um, notably, yeah. this series takes place before the catastrophic how events many years of the movie. Uh, not quite explained. Yeah, uh, right. I think if how many years. Yeah, yeah but the the two protagonists of Dark Crystal were not have not been born. Yet. Yeah, it's not yet. Yeah, 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 so I think it might be a, at least a, a decade or fifteen or seventeen years. Like I Star don't Wars know, prequels, I, I I don't know like how puppets age. I, I, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how the girlfriend yeah, age yeah, or yeah. how long Neither the lifespan I, is. Yeah, so, exactly. so, uh, I'm but it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so when we followed up in the movie, right, Fra was in a state of apocalyptic ruin, ruled over by the villainous um, vulture esque. Race of creatures called the Skeksis, yeah. who have harnessed the magical crystal of truth to achieve immortality and drain the planet of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, over ten episodes, Age of Resistance tells the story of how a paradise became poisoned, uh, building out Dark Crystal's mythology to explore the Skeksis' descent and the noble li- rebellion led by an elven ish race called the Gelfling. Gelfling, yeah. Uh, the world building here is exemplary. Uh, while the peaceful and earnest Gelflings were almost extinct in mm. the film except for two, uh, the series is set in a time when they were abundant. abundant. There were seven clans and all. I know, and it takes great care to immerse us into their matriarchal societies, yep. delving deep into a myriad of belief systems, mm-hmm. cultures, and even prejudices. Uh, we discover all this through the tales of three specific Gelflings, mm-hmm. the warrior Rian, uh, voiced by Taron Edgerton, good. Uh, the gentle Deet, voiced by Nathalie Emmanuel. Damn good story arc. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, you remember her as the... What's the name from Game of Thrones? I forgot. 
Who? Uh, Daenerys' translator. Oh, uh, uh, Miss Sunday. Miss Sunday, that's right. Yeah, she was Miss Sunday. And uh, a scholarly rebel named Bria, by, played by Anya Taylor-Joy. Also, brilliant story. Uh, each begin in different places, but yeah. as you can probably figure out, their paths will be interwoven to draw them in together to yeah. stop the Skaxies. Yeah. Uh, so what do you guys think about the show overall? And tell me what you like, dislike about it. Mm, honestly, it was such a great... Um, World mm-hmm. because it's not your usual like elves, do- dwarves, you know, orcs, mm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Human. They have kind of elves. It's very different still yeah. though. It's yeah. fa- more fairy like rather than mm. I feel elf like. Yeah. Um, I love the whole like um idea, the 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 the, the distinctness of all seven uh Gaffling clans and all that, which you don't get in the movie anymore la. Um, and oh, the sketches are so fucking terrifying still. Ter- yeah, they are. Yeah. Right. Genuinely are. But yeah, but overall, I honestly felt that as long as you um, the story arcs were really really well done like every single character from Deed, Rian and uh, Bria Bria yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. all three of them their journey was just so awesome to follow mm-hmm. and um, I mean you still had your, your fantasy tropes uh, you know <laughs> that weapon at the end you need, you need to get you know but in the end it's not the weapon it's you <laughs> that kind of thing yeah, yeah that kind of fantasy tropes uh, mm-hmm. are still there but I, f- I, I found that there were so many things that were still very innovative and still like uh, something that's worth catching la. Mm-hmm. And also After a while Once you get through The puppet virus You definitely Definitely like Just like um, You're just amazed At how Well the pu- the puppets Are built mm. You know From the Skeksis To the Gaflings To the Portlings to, Yeah the Portlings And all that Like every single Like puppet Was just amazing mm-hmm. Yeah so overall It was a very enjoyable watch Very heavy mm. At yeah. times I think some of them Were not just puppets like, I think the rock creature Was definitely it's CGI. CGI Yeah it's a, yeah, mix, yeah. Right? It's a yeah, mix But how they like Intertwine the CGI Can't with the, the difference It's yeah. so cool Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So again I had so much fun Watching this I really really uh, I, 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 You're right like, I think this will be The first time You use the word Masterpiece like. mm, Yes yeah. One of the first times yeah. Yeah. yeah How about you Aisa Oh man I think okay after episode two, right, when I got past the fact that uh, I am not used at all to watching puppets on screen. Like, it's been a long while. And it's not like the Muppets, right? Or no, like Sesame Street where you're, it's very clearly like... For children. Uh, yeah, for, for children and the fact that them being puppets doesn't like kind of break the immersion. Mm. Because in the first two episodes, it was hard for me to do so. Mm. Uh, you start to notice all these little, little details, yeah. right? Yeah. In the world, in the the way that the plants are created, mm. in the in the way that, you know, they will catch the light. And I, I think that for me really kind of cemented the medium itself, right? Like coming from a place of, oh man, this makes me feel a bit uncomfortable mm. to a place where like, oh, I understand why. Mm. Like, you know, for Henson... Uh, the puppets catch like in a very different way, right? There's something that you can't replicate. They're, they're real, they're tangible, they're tactile. Yeah, it's and more vivid and also more surreal. And more surreal, yeah. yeah. And that I think to me, uh, really was um that was the turning point for me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where I started to notice a lot more things than just my discomfort mm-hmm. and the fact that I'm not used to seeing puppets, right? Yeah. Uh, it kind of reminded me a bit of this um manhwa that got turned into an anime it was like an anime slash puppet thing like uh, all Chinese characters all Chinese puppets as well Mm. Uh, I couldn't look past that like I had a real big difficulty there but our our friend Chris finished the entire series oh wow as well Um, so um, I'm glad I gave it a shot Mm. I really am because like just to see how much skill it takes to the acting takes right Mm. and like it's 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 quite amazing the way that it was shot like i had trouble figuring out how they were shooting some of the scenes mm-hmm. just because 
um how do you how do you hide the people you know exactly, like how do yeah. you hide the people how do you like like scale everything so that it looks natural because the the camera work was so dynamic right mm. it was so beautiful and so rich uh, in terms of like every frame there's just so many things in there that look and feel real mm. you know so, um, so vivid yeah I yeah agree. I mean above and beyond that uh, the story itself um I I think I kind of figured out going into it where they were kind of going to go mm-hmm. uh, with that. Uh, again, it's the attention to detail. Yeah. Uh, right. That really, really blew me away in terms of the various character arcs, in terms of even the minor characters and how like their um, cultural like biases show through. Mm-hmm. Uh, even how like the world building and the terminology they use is so like kind of ingrained into the script itself that you can't help but be invested mm. in everything that they're doing. Really enough, a large part of the story actually concerns uh, puppets being biased against each other. Yeah. yeah but so puppet bias is a big <laughs> part of this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I mean, we, we did mention all the voice acting as well, uh, but yeah. I do have to point out that Netflix actually credits each character as two actors. One is the voice actor and one is the puppeteer. Oh, so it's, it's okay. very important to showcase that like, because so much of the performance is in the puppeteer as well yeah, and guess. not just in the voice, it's unlike just, traditional animation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's just that Netflix kind of let you skip the credits so you don't, don't really watch the credits. Or you can watch it you know, at the back end. La. Or in yeah. fact, once the series finishes, you can watch the making of as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah which I was going to just recommend that you should watch the making yeah, of. It's la. so important. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, superlative voice acting, sublime puppetry mm-hmm. uh, combines to make a really great show. Mm-hmm. Um, all the creatures are great. The potlings yeah. are great. The arrow film I think are mostly CGI yes. uh, this, these are the bog like yes. uh, spiders that you yes, encounter yes. Uh, they actually made a few Star Trek jokes there because yeah, they are so yeah, yeah. much like the bog, like the bog so yeah. you couldn't get around it yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the show's true larger than life delights are actually the the Skeksis yeah. voiced yeah. by like a murderous row of talent Ooh, yes. uh, Simon Pegg is the Chamberlain Jason, uh, Isaacs, Jason Isaacs Emperor. is Emperor Harvey Feistein is Gormand uh, yeah. Mark Hamill is scientist yeah. uh, Aquafina and Andy Samberg are the collector and the heretic. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so these guys, right, they're so bigger and larger than life. You need that kind of actor. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. mean, just, I, I, I loved it. Like, the, yeah. And the villains are so terrifying in their ugliness inside and out, yeah. their grossness, their mucus. Like the mucus, yeah. Oh my yeah. God, that gets me every time. Exactly, right? Um, so I think the voice cast, the design, the camera direction and all went, went big in displaying the villains. Yeah. And whereas the heroes were more nuanced mm. uh, like that. Um, did you know that there were over 170 puppets built by the Jim Henson Creature Shop for the series? Yes. Operated by 83 puppeteers. Yes. It's insane. Uh, these, all these characters are textured marvels brought to life by experts craftsmanship mm-hmm. you know, and, and spellbindingly effective performances la. I agree uh, but beyond the technical wizardry I think the prequel is a good co- cautionary tale that is emotionally resonant and yeah. thematically urgent uh, the Skeksis label all evidence of the quote-unquote darkening which is trust state of decay due to the misuse of the crystal yep essentially they are labeling it as fake news uh, yeah. and, and discrediting whistleblowers as like heretics uh, so the fact that they have convinced the world that their greed is benevolent is the show's hardest hitting uh, social political slash environmental uh, allegory. Uh, similarly, uh, Age of Resistance's vibrant, joyful, and heartwarming fantasy might seem like an all-ages watch, right? Mm. But it can also be harrowing, yeah. and tragic, and frightening, uh, never shying away from dark adult concepts, mm-hmm. nightmarish imagery, and, and uh, a good sense of tension. Yeah, uh, This is essentially, in my opinion, the the... Uh, Rogue One of high fantasy. 
uh, considering the story yeah, 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 and where yeah, yeah, it ends right, up because right, yeah, you know yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. not going to end well for yeah, them. Yeah, you know? yeah, so there's yeah, that yeah. level of tension there. So you know they're yeah. all doomed because of how the movie begins. Yeah. But the show gets you so invested in the people and the characters, like Rogue One does, mm. that you root for them anyway. Yep. So you care for Deed and Hub and Bria mm. and Rian so much. Uh, yeah, and even in antagonists like Celadon, who is uh. Hateable but also somewhat sympathetic mm-hmm. You know when she becomes uh, the, the irony of her becoming a puppet queen yeah. For for the Skeksis you know yeah. uh, and, and it's because she is so human she is. That is, she becomes a puppet queen uh, So yeah th- th- that's when the show went from good To, to great. great for me la. Yeah I agree uh, So I guess like I mentioned Besides the dedication to retaining the complex world And puppet atrocity Each of Resistance actually retains its warnings Against corrupt leadership and ecological apathy as well uh, which feels more, uh, which increasingly feels more urgent as time goes on yeah. and the world is ending. And, yeah. you know, our own darkening is happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I guess in 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 the end, our like com- this combination of wondrous <laughs> magic and political intrigue and compelling character dynamics and thoughtful themes and mm-hmm. just majestic craftsmanship yeah. from all the writing team and the puppetry team and the director uh, Louis Leterrier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, this is a staggering ten-hour spectacle that uh, I can't recommend highly enough. Like, and for all long-time fans and newcomers alike, like, I think Jim Henson would be proud. Yeah. How would you guess, guys? Rate this. Uh, I'm giving it a solid nine out of ten. Nice. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Isa? Just because of the very Shakespearean puppet show within a puppet show. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. In addition to that, right? Yeah. I'm definitely giving it a nine and a half out of ten. Nice. That's a nine point five for my. So I'm giving it a nine as well. Okay. Uh, so I have just minus one called puppet bias. Honestly, puppet bias. That's okay. all. Okay. Oh, yeah. If not, I'll give you a ten out of ten. Uh. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But cool. Papa bias so minus one. <laughs> <laughs> I think my one my minus one point was just the fantasy tropes that you actually yeah, yeah, pointed yeah, yeah, out. Yeah. yeah which also. uh you know made it somewhat predictable towards the end. Mm. Uh, but other than that, you know, I mean, perfection. It was nine mm-hmm. out of ten. Uh. Mm-hmm. uh, next up, we'll be talking about a new show by the creator of uh, BoJack Horseman, uh, yeah. Raphael Bob Wax. But it feels like I've talked about him forever because I do. I reviewed his new short story collection last month. And of course, uh, Bojack Horseman is the only show, I think, that we have unanimously given 10 out of 10. Yes, yes. Because sometimes one of us will give 10 out of 10, the other will give 9, nine blah, yeah. blah, blah. But this is the only show, Bojack Horseman, Raphael Boxbergsberg, is the only one that we've given like I'll unanimous 10 out, 10 out of 10, perfection. Yeah. And I don't think Raphael Boxbergsberg has ever delivered a season of television that has been below 9. I don't think so. Like from Bojack Horseman season 1 all the way yeah. to season 5 to Undone. Yeah. I mean, this guy is just amazing. La. And Fucking he, uh, Master yeah, And he teams up with uh, His uh, Bojack Horseman Writing partner Kate yeah. Purdy For this new show Called Undone And as great as Dark Crystal was Real highlight of the month In my opinion Is, is Undone Oh uh, I'm with you Yeah It's a genre mm. bending uh, Time breaking Mind expanding Rotoscoped animation yeah, series man. If you don't know What that means it, Think Waking Life Or yeah. Scanner Darkly Yeah uh, yeah, and as I mentioned, created by the Bojack Horseman team. Uh, ostensibly, let me give you the premise, the show explores the elastic nature of reality through a central character, Alma, played by Rosa Salazar from Alita Battle Angel. Big eyes. Big eyes. Mm. Uh, I I mean, I love her. But we I, haven't. I have never actually seen her like act without the, uh, something without mocap yeah, without or without mocap, rotoscope, yeah, yeah. you know. She's obviously a great actress. We've she seen is. It, you know, but yeah. you know, maybe one day like, I'll see her act without the gimmicks. <laughs> yeah. So after Alma uh, gets into a near fatal car accident, she discovers she has a new relationship with time mm-hmm. and tries to use this ability to find out the truth about her father's death. And the dad is played by Saul Goodman himself, yes. uh, Bo- Bob Odenkirk. Mm-hmm. While the premise is interesting, the show is so much more. Yeah. It's uh, beautifully surreal, and I um I I want to use the word painterly. 
in its aesthetic in yeah, the series. Sense. Yeah, it's a visual marvel marvel set in a celestial landscape of uh in set inside one girl's damaged consciousness. Yeah. or is it? We don't know. Mm, so the way Undone inventively blends and drifts from reality to memory to delusion, to such dreams. A, to dreams, yeah, such yeah. a sensory trip, but it's all emotionally grounded by a very powerful human story of mental illness, yeah. self-loathing, yeah. complicated relationships, ingrained family trauma, mm-hmm. uh, existential malaise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bojack fans <laughs> know that these are familiar themes for Kate Purdy and Raphael Bob Waxbox, considering. Uh, Episodes like season four's Alzheimer's episode, Time's Arrow, which is uh, actually the most uh, reminiscent yeah. that the show is, yeah. and also season five's uh, drug fueled uh, trip, the Showstopper, mm-hmm. uh, where he ends up, you know, choking his uh, co-star, her mm. co-star. Um, spoiler alert! Sorry for Bojack season five. Uh, so th- these these two episodes were actually um, collaborations from both of them, and you could kind of see the Can genesis kind of, of the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that team up again finds, I think, profound success here in its heady exploration of difficult and painful subject matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, this hallucinogenic trip through time and reality is beautifully animated, and yes, its narrative is wonderfully written. It is. But through all the visual and structural flourish, the writers ground everything in the mess that is the human condition. Mm. I think uh, I really like Elma. She's smart and funny and relatable, but she's also an asshole. Yep. Uh, Profoundly damaged And self-defeating But not in the same way Bojack is mm. uh, In a very different way Her wit and graph Is more akin to like uh, Natasha Leon's character In Russian Doll For yeah, example yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So what did you guys think Of uh, Undone? Um, well first of all It's an easy watch mm. It's only what? 8 episodes? Of 20 minutes? Right, 20 yeah minutes. you can get through it In 3 hours yeah. or less But god it was heavy man Yeah, There were moments where I was just amazed at Where the story was bringing me Throughout the, I was like, "Whoa, did we just go there?" You know, like the whole time traveling um, thing was done so beautifully, mm. and like you can't really tell whether it is really, uh, you know, whether it's reality or um, fantasy. Fantasy, lah. Is this the real? <laughs> 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 but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it's just the voice acting. Okay, not really voice acting, because they're really acting. Correct. It's just that it's rotoscope over. Yeah. And. It when Bob Odenkirk again is a masterful mm. actor, mm. but really I think the the star of this was really uh, Rosa. Rosa yeah. like just that the way that the, that 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 loop that shows in mm. over that episode also I think yeah yeah that loop episode just got me man mm-hmm. the um her performance there was great and when you look at the making of right mm. of Undone you're like amazed at how technical and how like just uh, why do you put yourself through that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but then you understand why, like I mean, it's to create a masterpiece, like for for you to create such a masterpiece, you need to go through mm. that kind of like work, la. But again, um, a lot of the things you hit on already, la. Um, the the mental issues that uh you see, uh, um, what's her name? Uh, Alma. Alma. Alma going through and and you kind of sympathize with her at times, but you see when like she's toxic towards like her sister, especially mm. when she's toxic to like her boyfriend, well, her boyfriend, mm. um. To her mom, mm. you know, and these people trying to help her throughout, but then every time also getting hurt along the way. Mm-hmm. It, it it it's not as self destructive as Bojack Horseman, I feel, mm. but it is it is definitely um, painful to watch at times also. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, the I thing. agree, I agree. Yeah. Um, I think almost drift through time and reality kind of follows an emotional logic. Yes, which uh, I think 
I, I say this all the time. It perfectly encapsulates everything I love about storytelling. Yeah. The logic of how one gets from how a character gets from point A to point B doesn't mm. matter to me. What's what's more important is the meaning of the journey for the character and Correct. how the audience feels what the character yes, feels. Yes. I think that show does it pretty well. Yeah. Uh, Alma's flaws don't exist in a vacuum either. Nope. Uh, and the deep dive into her complex relationships with, like you mentioned, her mother, mm-hmm. father, sister, boyfriend, all shed light into different aspects of her damage. Yes. Uh, whether Alma's experience is truly sci-fi, uh, explained by quantum physics, or maybe it's indigenous shamanism, yeah. or whether it's just a heartbreaking depiction of schizophrenia and hereditary mental illness is yeah. up to your interpretation. Yeah. Uh, and that's the beauty of it. Uh, I think it evokes strong, potent emotion and raises pertinent questions about pain and grief and choice and life that are difficult to answer because there are no right answers for these questions. At just twenty minutes each a piece, this eight episode season, as you mentioned, is fast, super yeah, satisfying, super fast, and, and thoughtful yeah. binge. Uh, animation is phenomenal. The rotoscope performances are exceptional. The story is ambiguous but also addictive, uh, and it's also a murder mystery. And through it all, it never loses sight of its character's humanity, lah. Um, I saw was in reservist this month. Did he? Do you manage to catch this as well? Or oh, I saw didn't catch this. Uh, so Hadi, uh, wrap it up. Like, what are your concluding thoughts for this? Concluding thoughts is a definite watch, must watch. Again, this is the second time you will use the word masterpiece. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the the one that the one time in all the four times I'm going to use it that I feel is the most deserved. Yeah, yeah. This is the most deserved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I kind of not want season two. I don't think I don't know maybe who knows. Yeah, I hope not lah. Yeah, I hope this is the end because the way it ended was so fucking brilliant. perfect. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no spoilers, but yeah. Yeah, so um, it's a ten out of ten for me. Oh, it's, it's a, a it's a, a fucking show. ten out of ten for me also. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is definitely no, 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 no question. There's nothing wrong with the series at all. Indeed, indeed. Uh, yeah. and if you're curious, the the sixth and final season of BoJack Horseman actually debuts next month, exactly on October twenty fifth. So um, I'm anticipating another ten out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> Raphael Bob Waxberg I think right Raphael Bob Waxberg Has joined You know when I think About showrunners I trust implicitly That's never delivered One bad episode Or uh-huh. one e- bad season uh-huh. Raphael Bob Waxberg Has joined in The class of uh, David Simon uh-huh. And Vince Gilligan To me As Ooh. someone who's Like never delivered Anything bad Because you know Some of my favorite Oh that's sh- important Anything bad Yeah, yeah okay, okay Some of my favorite showrunners Like Joss Whedon And Got Aaron Sorkin yeah, 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 yeah. And David Milch And all that There's some There's some stinkers There's some Yeah garbage yeah. in there like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here and there la. Correct correct but this one is just like nev- nothing below nine out of ten, you know. That's true. I think it's like David Simon, Vince Gilligan level. Think about Vince Gilligan, you know. Better yeah. Call Saul, never right. A kind of Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Almost in his right. own way. I mean, uh, it depends lah, but it's close lah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, this uh, El Camino is coming out. Uh, Can't wait. Next Have month you seen well. the trailers and all? So great. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Vince Gilligan is like this. Can you just cover it, even though it's not genre? <laughs> <laughs> like it takes place in Jesse's yeah, head, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if that's the ending, we will cover it. <laughs> okay. Please. <laughs> uh, next up, we'll be talking about a new anime yeah. uh, by Makato Shinkai, who is mm-hmm. uh, the creator and director of Your Name, yep. a gargantuan success last year. Was it last year? Two years ago. Two years ago, uh, gargantuan success in Japan, Your Name, a fantastic anime. He is now back with a new, uh, a new anime called uh, Weathering with You. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, all three of you, managed to catch this? Yes. He did. I was with you. All right, we went for the premiere. Yes, that was so long ago. <laughs> that was like a full three weeks ago. Actually, we yeah, watched it, it the first first week of the month. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yes. Uh, so two years after your name, Shinka is back, and he's parlayed that enormous goodwill into his le- latest feature, which yeah. is already outpacing your name in the domestic box office mm-hmm. in Japan. 
Um, it is set in an alternate version of uh, Tokyo, played by endless torrential rain. Yep. Uh, it follows the stormy love story between a teenage runaway named uh, Hedaka and a young orphan named Hina, with the supernatural ability to conjure sunshine. Mm-hmm. Uh, much like your name, Wevering With You draws us into a compelling love story first, mm-hmm. backdropped by traditional Shinto elements and fantasy characteristics, before breaking our hearts. Uh, Hodaka and Hina's relationship is easy to root for, uh, while the film's themes of environmental concern explores why humans might be unwilling to make necessary sacrifices in order yeah. to stem ecological disaster. Uh, the talk between r- rain and sun and selfishness and selflessness is the same thing yeah. uh, and dazzlingly animated. I think the animation is really gorgeous. Yeah, it, uh, is. it might actually be prettier than your name. Yes. Uh, just in terms of just uh, aesthetically, lah, superficially. Mm, mm. Uh, the photorealistic cityscapes and yeah. the magical sequences. I think perhaps is brave, dystopian climax and vague messaging might be divisive, but we'll get into that later. But I think the film's the film's love story and humor and gushing emotion and stunning imagery and the killer Red Wim soundtrack yet again, oh, uh, almost uh, certainly sweep you off your feet, lah. Uh, what do you guys think about this uh, movie as a whole? Oh, um, when you know I didn't fall asleep. Because mm. remember the last time I watched and I whenever I watch anime stuff I always kind of this kind of story I always fall asleep. You were fell asleep during your name? No, 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 no. no. The, the other one. Oh, the other one. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. What was it? I can't remember lah. The mm. one with the fox and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. The one in the house with the girl and the little boy. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I was awake throughout this entire thing. Mm. I was at all at everything that was happening. Mm. <laughs> um, the great cameos that happened and then the whole the whole place like just mm. uh, went into this rapturous applause. Yeah, we won't spoil the cameos. Yeah, they're, they're a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the 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 geographical like uh fantasy was kind of cool, like having the this whole cloud thing, you know, like the cloud um fantasy world. Yeah, yeah. But it was so beautifully. It was just so beautifully drawn, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of things that you hit on already. Um, but I was really intrigued by the 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 chemistry between the two characters, and um how invested I was in their their story lah. I mean. I didn't agree with a lot of the things at the end, but yeah, you know. But, but was, I understand why. But I understand lah, you know, yeah. they're, they're how young they are and all mm. that. You know, you're gonna do stupid things lah anyway. Mm. Yeah, um, and the whole idea of love triumphs over everything, you know. Mm. <laughs> so lame. Over the environment, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> but okay lah, you know. Yeah, okay sure. la. <laughs> yeah, but overall, I had such a blast watching this. Yeah. Um, I mean, I usually like my enemy with a lot of action, a lot of blood, a lot of like, you know. Big um fights and all that mm, stuff, you know, like this villain tiger. Or exactly, like exactly. Yeah. But so, so this is an interesting change of pace, lah. Mm. And it's and a love story. Exactly. Yeah, but there are a lot of love enemies. Yeah, too. yeah. But it's not my thing, ma. Right, I don't really right, watch right. it that often. Yeah. Yeah. So when I watched it, and I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Mm. It kind of just blew my mind, lah. Mm, yeah. Right. But it's so beautifully drawn. Really, I cannot, cannot. I love how how artistic the three things that we've talked about, you know, yeah. from Dark Crystal to yeah. to Undone and to this, yeah. just how well everything. Uh. Oh, we still have more to go. Yeah, but, I know, uh, I know. Be, be, Before that, uh, let's go to the king of the of anime, anime corner, Aisa <laughs> uh, Fung. What do you guys? Uh, what do you think of uh, okay. Wedding with You? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do like a a short tangent to this, right? One of the one of the things that I watched very early on as I got into anime that really blew me away mm. was the rain scene in the Cowboy Bebop movie. Oh, I think right, that yeah. was one of the moments that kind of cemented for me like mm. what um, the medium could actually do. And mm. this was way back when, way back, right? Yeah. Uh, so for an entire movie About to be rain. able to do rain scenes mm. one after another, 
Never get it tired. Yeah. Always look beautiful. Always look dynamic. And always look like... I, I felt cold in the cinema, mm. you know, like literally, even though it was a ridiculously yeah. hot day outside. Um, We're talking about Toy Stories for opening rain scene also, yeah. but think about that in two hours. Yeah, like, and yeah. it was just like perpetually, right? You're yeah. just drenched. The screen is drenched in rain. Yeah. And for them to be able to animate all of that is a testament to how far the medium has come. Mm. And I think like how well they have um, used technology to kind of like further, you know, the medium itself. Um, in terms of, I mean, the it's, it is beautiful and whimsical in a way that your name is not. I think where it's heavy and cerebral in your name, it is beautiful and whimsical here in Weathering mm. With You. Uh, it's tough to compare the enemies sure. um, f- for what they are, right? Because yeah. they're two very different types of stories. Mm. Uh, it is interesting to see where Shinkai is going to go with this, given mm. the cameos. Um, yes. So I'm interested to see... Uh, where you've got kind of this fantasy slash sci-fi yeah. alternate reality going on with... Things more fantasy, right? Uh, I don't know, because we do have uh, time travel in... Oh, sure. In yeah, you're right. your you're name. Right. Yeah, and now yeah, we have yeah. weather control. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And it has Shinto, Shinto beliefs and Shinto elements oh, and all yeah. that. It's all rooted in that kind of... Um, mm. That kind right. of like... Religious, yeah, that kind of religious backdrop, yeah, right? Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, the elements of it mm. are, are well known to anime mm. and are clearly sci-fi, mm. right? So I'm curious to see where they're gonna go with it because, like, <coughs> these sh- the 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 Shinto kind of like imagery feeds into very real physical uh, consequences for all the characters, both in your name as well as as mm. here and weathering with you. Correct. Um, Gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, really, really gorgeous. I really felt for the two characters and mm. the young love that they shared. Um, I think in this particular case, especially, like the consequences of their actions were more well explored than they were in your name. You oh, know? yes. Like the way yeah. that it kind of closed out yeah. as well. Um, and I think um, it's going to be interesting to see what Shinkai does next. Mm. Uh, it does feel a lot like a nice kind of segue into something bigger. Mm. As well as um, it, it was a nice love story With consequences Right mm. And that's something That we don't always get uh, I th- thought that was Both risky And mm. While I agree with both of you That it didn't feel Like the right way To end things I guess mm. um, Sure Let's see where this goes I think in terms of relationship Maybe not the right way To end things But Conceptually uh, The idea of You know Where the world is At the end of the film They ended the movie At the wrong place because not not because I don't like it but because it ended the movie ended just when I became most interested. Oh um, yeah, okay. yeah, for you sure. You know, it's like what is next? What is wondering if you do? Is it uh, Kevin Costner's Waterworld? You know, who knows, right? I will, you know? I will watch that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it won't be because it only have. Okay, never mind. Spoiler, too much spoilers. <laughs> For both Waterworld and Weathering With You. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I think that uh, visually and emotionally, uh, Weathering With You is a triumph. Uh, yes. Even if it doesn't quite heat reach the the, the heady complexity yeah, and, and transcendent sure. heights of your name uh, how would you guys rate this in the end mm, I'll give it a solid 8.5 oh okay. yeah 8.5 um, just for doing something different mm. and for how beautiful and technical um, all of the production was right I'm gonna give it a 9 nice okay I'm giving it an 8 okay Cool. It's rare that I'm actually the lowest amongst the the three. Actually, no lah. Hadi is. No, I'm always the highest. You're always the highest. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. F- yeah but yeah. you two usually uh the more the more critical, same. right? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but I mean, eight is still a very high score. Eight point five and nine, and nine as yeah. well. You know. So uh, high recommends all across the mm-hmm. board. Uh, next up, 
we are talking about a new film by James Gray, uh, who directed The Lost City of Z. If you haven't seen that, please watch that as well. It's yeah. called Ad Astra. Uh, I, if you don't know what it means, it's actually Latin, Latin. for to the sky. Yeah, uh, or is. to the stars. Actually. To the stars, which is yeah. uh, NASA's uh, uh, motto. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it it Astra isn't just the finest sci-fi film of 2019, in my opinion. I think it's just one of the best movies of the year. Period. Uh, and it's also probably the best hard sci-fi film since The Martian. Um, although set against you know this infinitely stunning interstellar canvas, the space epic is actually a pretty quiet and contemplative and intimate and deeply profound character drama. Yeah. Mostly. Uh, the yeah. movie follows an emotionally detached and cool-headed astronaut named Roy McBride, mm-hmm. played by Brad Pitt in one of his best performances ever. Ever. A uh, very underrated actor. Very. And probably his second Oscar nomination this year after Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hopefully. Uh, as he travels to the outer edges of the solar system to find his missing father and unravel a mystery that threatens the survival of our planet. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like a big scope. And yes, it, e- it is. It's, it's a sweeping scope. Uh, set out in this magisterial cosmos landscape, mm-hmm. but it manages to feel incredibly small scale, yep. and that's a compliment actually, yeah. because it's it's focused meditation on one man's internal conflict between the isolation that comes with his ambition and his obsession with exploration, against a fundamental human need for connection. Yeah, uh, those are the stakes of Ad Astra. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I mean the grander stakes are there They're the world ending variety, but its themes are very personal. It's yeah. a, it's a story about a son's admiration for his father and what happens when that father isn't what he thought he was. Yeah. Uh is your hero to be uh, that you emulate and revere? You know, is is that your hero or is mm-hmm. he a cautionary tale? Mm-hmm. Uh yes, there are some eloquent narration, but the emotion is mostly told through Pitt's taciturn what? performance. Yeah. Uh, his journey from driven and unemotional to crying and yearning is very subtle and expertly mm. and efficiently conveyed. I think. Uh, yeah. What do you guys think about uh, Ad Astra? I'm down with you with everything you said, mm. but I have to highlight the voiceovers. Mm. I thought they were done kind of brilliantly. Yeah. Like usually, if a movie puts in too many voiceovers, it kind of fucks things up. Mm. Unless it's like noir la, and then that's, yeah, that's no, part of the genre. Yeah, no, that is the genre. Yeah, yeah, but this is but how they they kind of it makes sense because it. Brad Pitt doesn't really say much. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of cool to have that, that like internal like um philosophizing. Yeah. Philosophizing. Yeah, that one. Yeah. You know, that's happening throughout that the thing. Um again, the theme of loneliness, the theme of like isolation, right, is so awesome. And I like how they put him how they keep isolating him like, throughout the entire journey. Like, you know? Um certain <laughs> Can I just spoil one thing? Sure, yeah. Fucking baboons. Baboons, yeah, man. Sure. <laughs> baboons. Yeah. They got me. I was like, that took me out of it for a while. So I go, shit, baboons. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's, that I've never seen baboons fight in space before. Sure. Yeah, I think that was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Small two-minute scene or something like that. I've seen, I've seen baboons fight on Planet of the Apes, but, exactly. not, not, in space. but not in space. Yeah. And also in Planet of the Apes, they're not baboons. They're all like chimpanzees or like gorillas. I or think they were baboons in Tim Burton's one. Oh, Which the, the 2001 the, one. The, the less said about that, the better. Yeah, one. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, this one, right? Yeah. Um, but Brad Pitt, man. God yeah. damn. This was a Brad Pitt movie. Yes. Right? Sure. Mm. This is not like Once Upon a Time where there's, you know, you're sharing with Leo, Leo mm. and something mm. like that. Actually, this I think Brad Pitt is a supporting role in Once Upon in a one Time. In Once Upon a Time. Which could get him the Oscar for that and yeah. a leading uh, nomination for this one. So he could be a two for next year. I don't mind, man. Yeah. Like, he deserves it so well. Like, everything that. 
how he 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 has this control over his face mm. is amazing. Underrated, ah, just Underrated. because he's so pretty. Doesn't yeah, mean exactly. Act, right? Just because yeah. he's so good looking. And again, Liv Tyler sending another boy to space. Yeah, you know that yeah. tropes has been going along <laughs> everywhere. I just want to imagine that this is in set in the same universe. I mean, and then like he he left. Uh, Ben Affleck was it? Yeah. Uh, and then like you know, married this guy. It's like, oh my god, it's the same Another, thing again. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I at like. Least he was, at least he wasn't like a driller this time. Yeah. Like, and he's an actual astronaut. He's an actual astronaut. <laughs> so she should have expected yeah. him to go to space, lah. Yeah. I mean, if you marry an oil man, like, when are you ever going to space? Exactly. You're never going to space. Um, I feel that the this universe was set in a way that um more realistic than more realistic realistic than yes, than I get. Yes, I get. No, no, that, of course, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, what do you call those things where? The the it's a bit more futuristic, but near future. Near future, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that took me some time yeah. to think about. As opposed to far future. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, So near future kind of tech is quite cool. Yeah. Um, that moon scene. Mm, the the was so dune buggy chase. Right yeah. done, right. Um, it's it's not that the level of like interstellar, you know, that grand and epic like. Space mm. Odyssey kind of feel, mm. uh, this but like we mentioned, it's very personal. But it's very, very yeah, 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 which I I really appreciate and I really enjoyed this movie throughout. And uh, what do you think about it, Isa? Did you manage to watch it? Yes, I did. Um, let me just start off by saying that it was not the movie that I expected it to be. Mm. Mm. Uh, I mean, I I had just barely watched the trailer, right? And mm. I I think the trailer did a great job of not really giving anything yeah. away. Yeah. Uh, but I was not prepared for how slow a burn it was, mm-hmm. right? And it's a bit difficult to kind of like capture the entire experience. Like when I was asked what the movie is about. Uh, I basically said, well, Brad Pitt goes to space to deal with his daddy issues, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the summary of the story. Mm. Um, but it doesn't quite sell it, right? No, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't quite sell it at all. Like, how do you, uh, how do you describe the fact that this might be the first time since two thousand and one, right? Mm-hmm. Since Space Odyssey two thousand and one, yeah, where space is now art house again. Yeah, right. I think got la like got la, films like Moon. Yeah, but not, not so it's kind of art house. Uh, but not to this extent. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I give you that. Right, like it was so uh, the, the the choices that they made cinematographically and how that really um <laughs> tied in together with the moment, right? Yes. And the fact that Brad Pitt is just gorgeous in any sort of lighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is pretty mind blowing. Mm. Uh, I feel like I wasn't prepared for how slow a burn it was, but I enjoyed it immensely. Mm. Even the action sequences were so were paced in the same way, right? Like yes. the Dune buggy scene, it was paced in the same way. Um, you know, uh, the space station, um, the rescue scene was also paced in the same way. Like at every moment, it never broke that pace, and I think it felt like that kind of relentless movement forward, despite how glacial it felt. Yes, uh, was very compelling for me. Yeah, right. Like uh, because that didn't change throughout the entire thing, mm. I wasn't like surprised by anything. Mm. It gave me enough space and enough <laughs> time to kind of like immerse myself in uh, all these amazing visuals that they're putting out, as well as trying to. To understand where where Pitt's character is coming from, where Roy is coming from, um, so beautiful. I yeah. I like uh, Pitt's performance is reminiscent to me of Robert Redford's performance in All Is Lost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, with um, I mean, obviously a lot more dialogue, but like yeah. a lot of like a, a lot of quiet, right, and a yeah. lot of like um solitary moments where he's just kind of monologuing to himself, and most of the time, I'm not a big fan of that. Mm. Right, uh, but it worked this time round. I think, like, set in the backdrop and the vacuum of space, mm-hmm. uh, it really did work. Correct, right? which yeah. is uh, which is um, it's rare, I think. Yeah, um, I do also have to shout out uh, Solaris, which is another great uh art house uh 
space movie but they are mm. few and far between lah. they come they come like every 30 years <laughs> yeah. you know at least the great ones uh. I did review High Life last month but it wasn't near as great as this uh, so I mean yeah I, I loved it you know the thematic depth really really weighty the hypnotic mood it puts you in uh, the emotional potency also um, I love the film's flourishes and like you mentioned the near future elements are, are the things that I particularly enjoy lah. some mm, of the details yeah. you know like the commercial tourism to oh, the moon is uh, is viable with a uh, repeat with like a hundred twenty five dollar charge if you request a hot towel, yeah, which is so um, believable. But makes sense with inflation lah, and you're going to space lah. Correct, correct, and 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 the wonder of the solar system is littered with the mundanity of humankind mm. and cheap commercialism. There's a subway and Applebee's and uh, DHL Yoshinoya. on celestial bodies. Yeah, the Yoshinoya. <laughs> yeah, Yoshinoya. Um, the moon is now like the oceans of the 18th century, operating Pirates under of the Caribbean. Correct, it's, it's operating under maritime law, which yeah. is what space law is. Yeah. Uh, plagued by pirates on lunar rovers, uh, uh, and also the organization that uh, that that uh, Brad Pitt is part lah. It's um, Trump's Space Force uh, Space Force essentially yeah. la. <laughs> uh, Indeed, man. Uh, really liked it. Uh, besides the Dune buggy scene, which we can't you know talk more about lah, but yeah. it's great lah. Uh, you know the and also a distressed ship in space that has baboons. You know which. <laughs> it's just insane yeah. uh, And a particularly dramatic Space walking sequence uh, I think each scene Functions as Functions as a building block mm. In the tale that Grey Is telling to uh. is, is telling about Roy yep. uh, Whose dispassionate Professionalism Saves lives On many occasions But Who might not have Enough empathy For the world around him Yeah uh, In the In I think A tremendous final act I really love the third act uh, Grey flashes out All those dilemmas Gently but mm. powerfully yeah. uh, The lesson of the film Is a straightforward one yeah. uh, That in the future People will need to rely On one another mm-hmm. uh, And Ed Astra communicates it With uh, Yeah Staggering profundity yeah. Uh, yeah There are superficial Similarities to Interstellar But really Ed Astra is more like A space version of Heart of Darkness Or Apocalypse Now uh, It's less about Man's relationship With the great unknown That what can happen When a man loses Relationship with humanity mm. uh, And it's beautiful And brilliant What do you guys think about it Any concluding thoughts? Uh, if you haven't watched it Go and watch it now yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um you'll be surprised at how it's quite it's it's quite it feels long but it's actually not that long. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um but brilliantly done. I I I had I had a blast now. Mm-hmm. Except for the people talking behind me in the cinema. Oh damn. Yeah, annoying. But yeah. I think the essential difference for me between Interstellar and this, right? Both being space epics in their own right, mm-hmm. is that Interstellar tried to hit us over the head um with the fact that love triumphs over all the right through space and yeah. um this is a lot more grounded. It's a lot more nuanced um, in terms of that. I mean, I do feel like at the very end, the imagery, um, you know, at the very end when he comes back to Earth is, you know, still a little unwieldy, maybe, mm. um, and a, a bit like blunt, but not in the same way that Nolan did with Interstellar, mm. you know, and uh, it's very, very different, mm-hmm. um, both in terms of the its form, its look, and, and the delivery of that. And I really enjoyed it. I would give it. Uh, I was very high on this coming out of the cinema. I uh, I was texting them actually. I thought I was about giving it a nine point five, but you know, time usually tempers it. Uh, there's some things that are undone. That like it's just like ten forever. Uh, but I kind of lowered it a bit, so I'm giving it an eight point five out of ten, which is still a huge recommendation. Yeah, it's eight point uh, five for me too. What about you, uh, Hadi? Same eight point five. Cool. Okay. Uh, and once again, truly hope that Brad Pitt at least wins one Oscar next year, either for this or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because he really deserves it. Uh, this is his year, man. Uh, next up, uh, I'll be talking about the new film from uh, Ari Aster, the phenomenal director of Hereditary. It is called Mid Soma. 
So after delivering a horror masterpiece in his debut feature, uh, we all loved Hereditary here, right? Yeah, we did. Uh, Ari Aster pivots from very dark and claustrophobic corridors into sunny and flowered open fields of Sweden for his much-anticipated uh, follow-up. Yeah. Uh, Midsommar plays a bit like Ari Aster's version of The Wicker Man. It is part Scandinavian folk horror and part breakup horror. Yeah. Uh, it is set in the bright sunlight of a secluded Swedish village. It's cool. The, the yeah. Uh, do you watch it as well? A bit. Okay, cool. A bit. What do you mean? You fell asleep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I bet. I pretty much figured lah. Yeah. Uh, the film tells the story of a young woman named Danny, played by Florence Pugh, mm-hmm. uh, who is gripped with grief after a horrific family tragedy. Find uh, well, I won't spoil it lah, but it's a horrific family tragedy. Yeah. Uh, early on in the movie, and she finds little solace from her increasingly distant boyfriend, Christian. Uh-huh. Uh, when Christian begrudgingly invites Danny to join him and some fellow anthropology graduate students on a on a trip to visit a community known as ha- the Harga, mm-hmm. their fates are essentially sealed. Uh, they become more than just observers, but pawns in a series of rituals and customs that play out with harrowing consequences. Okay. The movie knows that we know where the story is going. From the trailer itself, you know that this kid's about to be sacrificed. You know. Yeah. So that isn't the a point surprise. of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The greatness of the movie isn't the story, which we all know. It lies in Danny's <coughs> character arc. And uh, Florence Pugh's tremendous performance, which cycles from nuance to huge emotional outbursts as a perpetually gaslit girlfriend. Uh, plus, Esther's stylistic choices and symbolism really is what makes the movie stand out. Uh, those looking for a jump a minute scare fest should probably look elsewhere. This isn't that kind of horror movie. Yeah. Uh, Mitsuma has other things on its mind. Uh, the film is never outright scary, but it's similar to Hereditary in that it builds a significant amount of dread over time. Okay. Esther uses daylight to its advantage, u- utilizing an aesthetic that is not seen in horror films or not usually seen because it is so brightly lit all the time. You're <laughs> in you're in the open field. Uh, everything from the beauty of the arts, the beauty of the nature, the costumes, the rituals, the murals, uh, it's all there. You know, you can see it all. But alongside it is the blood and gore, which are also highlighted under the sun. So it offers an unnerving juxtaposition. Mm. Uh, most of the film's disturbing imagery uh, is is perverse because it's so it's so even even more perverse because it's brightly lit. Uh, what's really surprising though is how funny Mitsuma is, mm-hmm. uh, and intentionally so. It's a it's a mix of uh, cultural arrogance and cultural ignorance from uh, insensitive Americans that is always like you know ripe for the plucking. Yeah. A- and bizarre rituals that offer a healthy dose of gallows humor into the proceedings. You know, one mm. minute you're you're laughing at pubic hair in meat pie, and and the next you're cringing at some of the more grotesque displays of corpses uh, found on this side of Hannibal. Um, if you have seen Hannibal, you know, you know the the displays of bodies yeah, and stuff yeah. is really beautiful, but also creepy. Creepy, spot. yeah, but yeah. also really beautiful. Yeah. Uh, the disparity between the tones is great, and yet Esther weaves them together seamlessly. It's, okay. it's one of the more captivating feats of Metsoma. So right. I mean, like since Hardy caught a bit of it, what what do you uh, what do you catch of it, or, or how much of it did you did um, you negligible la. Okay. I was asleep for most of this. Sorry, my bad. I'm gonna watch it next week again, actually. Ah. Okay. Before it uh, gets out of the run. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but um. From what I could tell, it was fun. Uh. I like the Scandinavian kind of culture that was going on. Mm. Um, I felt that uh, it adds that level of like Viking authenticity, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the whole sunshine thing really works, uh. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. loved it. Uh. I mean, you are so used to seeing, you know, darkness, and it kind of makes sense because of where it was located, lah. Uh. Correct, correct. Mm. And and there's something unnerving also about the yeah. about perpetual sunlight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, I really also have to shout out the film's depiction of uh, hallucinogenic drugs as well. Mm-hmm. It lends this trippy, trippy but not too distracting nightmarish effects. Yeah. Oftentimes when I watch movies display psychedelic trips, mm. I can tell that the director and the actors have never actually tripped before <laughs> on, on acid or mushrooms. They should have uh, like, like a little experiment. Correct, right? Yeah. Like uh, This movie though, my God, it depicts it so accurately from the breathing, how they're breathing, how the cadence of the actors to the sub- very subtle VFX employed. Yeah. It's not like you know, big grand Noah Holly kind you of thing. You don't need, yeah, yeah. But it's pitch perfect. Because if if the tripping was too visually loud, it could distract you from, from the, the characters. Yeah. Uh, and you, but if you play it too subtle, you might lose you, it. Yeah, you might lose it. You yeah. only be paying attention to the actors. So this was the perfect balance. Correct. Where everything enhanced the character's emotional state while simultaneously keeping the audience off balance and hypnotized. All right. Uh, Mitsuma is psychologically robust, I think, and uh, quite an emotional mindfuck. Hmm. Uh, of the highest order uh, It kind of channels This young woman's journey Through grief And a toxic relationship At 140 minutes The film is deliberate But I felt never boring uh, Aided by Florence Fuse Florence Pugh's I'm sorry uh, Phenomenal performance As well as its Stunning visuals uh, Really really loved it uh, I, I gave it an 8 out of 10 Alright that's not a bad score I'm not giving it a score yet la. Okay yeah, yeah Hadi hasn't seen enough of enough it Enough of it to I like guess. justify a score yeah, yeah uh, uh, not as great as her Hereditary, but still mm. uh, really worth your time as well. Okay. Uh, next up, I'll be talking about Steven Universe, the movie. Mm. How did that go? Uh, it is set two years after Steven Universe's series finale, entitled yeah. Change Your Mind. Uh, this animated feature finds Steven, who is now 16 and post-puberty and Aww. has a neck... Uh, <laughs> and the, the gems are adjusting to a peaceful life in a world where Earth and Homeworld have become allies. They're friends mm. now. Uh, but their happily ever after is cut short when a new threat arrives with a very understandable grudge against Steven's mother, uh, mum, right? Uh, Rose Quartz. Yep. The story is a tried and true Steven Universe narrative. It revisits familiar themes which involve reconciling an ugly past with Steven's growth through love and friendship and empathy. Mm-hmm. But while the story is familiar, Rebecca Sugar and her team continue to work with a seemingly bottomless well of ingenuity, finding ways to circumvent ex- expectations to explore new, uh, emotionally complex territory years later. Yeah. Uh, the movie does so in a scale that will wow fans. Uh, well, how so? Well, for one, uh, a series of 10-minute shots, if you, you know... If mm-hmm. you watch the show, right? <laughs> it's now a 90-minute movie. La. That's huge. La. And while the show has always been praised for its musical numbers, the movie is a full-on, big, brassy, old Hollywood-type musical. Oh, wow. There's barely a minute that goes by without a beautiful new song about their inner feelings that drives the narrative forward. Uh, the consistent catchiness of the movie's songs, their different styles and tones, is a feat even by Steven Universe's standards. Wow, uh, okay. Nearly every member of the movie's sprawling cast is featured in a musical performance that highlights important, less obvious elements of their characters. Mm-hmm. These amazing numbers are written by, of course, you know, series creator Rebecca mm-hmm. Sugar, mm-hmm. Uh, series composers uh, Ivy and Surashu, alongside Estelle, Amy Mann, Chance the Rapper, uh, James Fultonroy, and a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they all feel like a concentrated effort to elevate Steven Universe as an explicitly musical endeavor this time. Mm. It's an effort that works really, really well. Uh, some of the big musical numbers and, lyric- and lyrics feature callbacks, uh, but many of the more intimate songs like Let Us Adore You reveal new things about Steven and the Gems in fascinating ways, mm-hmm. while others in- introduce left-field new fusions, like the out-of-nowhere fusion between Steven and his father, what? which is insane. Yeah, I'm sorry for spoiling that no, no, for, for yeah. Isa, but yeah, yeah okay. that is... One of the more crazy, like, <laughs> wow, I have to rewind that moment. What, what the fuck? You know, Steven and his dad fused. Uh, that being said, the most heartful, heartfelt number actually revolves around the movie's villain, 
called Spinel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not know this, but Spinel is actually a gem. <laughs> I mean, of course, oh. all the characters are named the gems, but yeah. I didn't know that Spinel was a gem. So apparently, Spinel is what happened. It's kind of a degraded version of a, of um, a quartz, oh. which I guess is intentional. Plays into the yeah, yeah. Right, right. Okay. Um, and she has a really, really heartbreaking backstory. Uh, probably the most heartbreaking backstory of any of the antagonists that Steven Universe. Has ever had mm-hmm. uh, What happened through her Is actually To her Is truly Shockingly cruel uh, Which lends credence To her grudge uh, uh, That few of other Steven Universe's External conflicts Has ever had mm-hmm. Like she really has Legit, uh, legit. grievances okay. You know Okay Plus, um, Spinel's design is really cool. It's reminiscent of old school animation, circa 1920s, 1930s Disney. Nice. Uh, you know, like, uh, I don't know whether you've ever seen, you know, when Pixar or Disney comes out, you know, there's the old black and white um, Mickey Mouse on a, on a, yeah. on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> so she's animated like that. So it's very different from the usual Steven Universe animated Interesting. Uh, uh, animation. Yeah. Uh, I think in the end, the movie, much like the show, is about change and growth. Uh, and part of moving forward deals with facing the consequences and trauma of the past. Uh, we always have to reckon with the mistakes of past generations mm-hmm. and the damage we all suffer. And in growing, we must also remember all the defining experiences and emotions that make us who we are. Yep. Uh, one of the things that happens to all the gems is Spinel hits them with some sort of magical blade that basically resets them to factory settings. So okay. they have no memory of anything that has happened on the series. Yeah, uh, on the series or ever lah. So they just reset to the beginning, uh, and they have to find who they are, uh, and they do it through song, of yeah. course. You know, Steven Universe. <laughs> uh, it it in many ways the movie feels like the greatest hits version of the show in theme, but it's done so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show is about abandonment, compassion, mercy, empathy, and the need for found family, which is very relevant to the show's radically queer storytelling. Mm. Uh, and it's I think. By now, primarily queer audience, which has yes. kind of uh, rallied around the show. Mm-hmm. As a Steven Universe story, this is one of the show's best. As a musical, it's great. Uh, with songs that can go to toe to toe with some of the best in the series. Uh, Rebecca Sugar and her crew really deserve a standing ovation for this. Uh, it's an eight point five out of ten for me. Wow. Uh, Isa hasn't had the chance to watch it, right? Yes, unfortunately. So, couple questions, right? Yeah. Do you feel that this movie is a stepping stone for them to continue the series from where it has left off? Um. It could and it could not. If it ended this way, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Rebecca Sugar has said that the series didn't really end. It was kind of a a, f- a fake series finale. I figured as much, right? Because yeah. they announced the movie and all that. Okay, so personally, do you want it to continue? I wouldn't mind if they can keep up the quality. Um, they they found new ways to explore old themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as they can keep doing that ingeniously, uh, I'm cool with that. It's all okay. about execution. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm definitely. I mean, it is on my to watch list for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious to see where this goes. Steven Universe is a troubled theme. Is an interesting direction oh, that they can go. For sure. In, for know? sure. I mean, like even as as a child trying to. Um, wrestle with his origins, right, mm-hmm. and uh, who his parents is, and this fantastical family that he is a part of. Uh, that was compelling enough. Yeah, I'm curious to see uh, where they will go w- with him as a teen. Yeah, you know, and like, uh, I feel like in in everything that we've talked about, they've set the bar really high. Very high. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. I yeah. Guess. yeah. Um, I have enormous faith in Rebecca Sugar. She hasn't really done anything wrong with Steven Universe, mm-hmm. so um, no reason. To doubt her if she con- if she wants to bring it forward, yeah. And if she wants to end it here, it's quite perfect as well. So mm. whatever she wants to do, I'm down with that. Yeah, yeah. Um. Next up, um. I think Hadi has also watched it chapter two. I have. Has uh. Isa watched it chapter two? 
No, based upon what we talked about, no. Okay. Um, this is the sequel to Andy Muschietti's version of It, the 2017 yeah. horror sensation, which was set 27 years after the events of the first. It's set 27 years after mm-hmm. the events of the first film. Yeah. It once again pits the Losers Club, who are all now adults. Yeah. Against Stephen King's demonic clown, mm-hmm. it is bigger, uh, longer, and a much grander take with cosmic illusions. But at nearly three hours, its bloat uh, keeps it from floating, as Pennywise <laughs> would say. Uh, I think, like, despite the scene stealing showcase for Bill Hader, who really uh, was the the gem, the gem of the show. Uh, he just continued the spirit of Finn Wolfhard. Wolfhard. Correct. Wolf. Yeah. And and I think like Bill Skarsgård also once again kills it as Pennywise. Pennywise yeah. um, I think Eight Chapter Two is a very clunky, messy, and overlong film. It trades in psychological horror and the Spielbergian charm of uh, the original mm. for r- r- repetitious jump scares that verges on narrative indiscipline at times. Yep. Uh, and this film really really could have used a couple more months in the editing suite. Yeah. Um, the dragging pace diminishes the film's ability to hold us in its grip. Uh, and this is like endless flashback sequences to the characters as kids grow especially tiresome. Uh, Mushetti must have, ah oh man, I I almost don't want to say this because I haven't seen this show in a long time. Mm-hmm. But Mushetti feels like he's taken the Attack on Titan uh school school of storytelling, hmm. uh where he decides to squeeze in the highlights from the first one into this one just in case you didn't see the previous <laughs> episode. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> the scare sequences are bigger, faster, and more frequent, which means there's an <coughs> issue of diminishing returns yep. in terms of tension and surprise. Yeah, at around the 90 minute mark, I would say yeah. you stop feeling anything at all except just, for boredom. Yeah, uh, King's novel is admittedly also spread out and repetitive in this nature. Uh, so in regard to it chapter two, it's actually technically more faithful to the original. It is. Yeah, to yeah. to the book. To at the least, book. Yeah. Than its predecessor, uh, it but it just doesn't work like, for me. What do you think? Uh, apart from like individual performances, lah, mm. right? What like what you say? I think a, a lot of it was just the expectations you know we had after watching it, mm. uh, and then we saw the cast, uh, the, the adult cast, and you're like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, you know, yeah, great, great casting. Mostly. Yeah, it was great casting. Yeah, and so therefore we really had really high hopes for this, lah. Um, at the same time, you're right, like. There were so many of the scares that just didn't like get you anymore. Mm. Like the whole they pe- kept repeating the same scares. Yeah, yeah. and you know, like Pennywise, you know, like the kids like whenever like the kids like go under the 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 the, the, the beaches and then mm. get eaten by Pennywise, like it didn't even affect me. And that was like at near mm. the beginning of the film, also actually. The second act where they all went on individual solo quests. Yeah, and then it was the same. Scare and it was the over same and scare over, over and over. Yeah, yeah. can yeah. So that didn't like uh, didn't have the whole you know the whole giant thing that was uh, attacking. Yeah. Um. The the entire second act, I felt, uh, where they all went for the individual solo, thing was very overlong. Like could have been cut out entirely and wouldn't have affected the film. Would not. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. They Because one of them could have just like, hey, I found it. I found the magical. Yeah. Thing. We all found our things. Now yeah. let's go down and go and fight Pennywise. Exactly. Yeah. You know? And it would have greatly helped the film. Yeah. Because yeah. the Pennywise part was too good. Mm. The last, the last uh, fight scene. I mean, spoiler alert. They're gonna be a fight at the end. Yeah. yeah. Although I mean, admittedly, also at, towards the end, it became more of a superhero film. Oh than, yeah. Than a horror film. That's true. Because okay, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah so yeah, there, yeah, there yeah. is a bit of uh genre twisting there. Genre twisting or like uh troll hunters kind of vibe. Yeah. Because, you know, yeah. fighting the big bad the giant big bad. creature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, but we always expected them to have to do this kind of battle with Pennywise, lah. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they were kids, they already had that whole hellscape dancing 
clown bullshit thing that happened. Mm-hmm. So I felt that that I mean delving into like the the law and all that about how Pennywise is actually from you know somewhere else and the shamanistic kind of thing that you had going on the 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 the, the journey of the black guy. Mm-hmm. I remember his name. Yeah. Um. But um. Who basi- stayed the the one who stayed in town? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old Spice guy. Yeah. Um, he he's the old spice. He's the yeah <laughs> model like you didn't know like. Not 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 Terry Crews. Not Terry Crews. They had the rivalry thing also. But yeah. anyway, yeah, he did a great job by the way. Isaiah Washington, I think that's mm, his name. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I uh, it was just so long. I was just I, I kept on sighing throughout the entire. I was like, oh my god, seriously. Mm-hmm. Like the one when um the girl, what's her name, the redhead. Jessica Chastain. No, no, no. I mean the character's name. Uh, Jessica Chastain. Ah, uh, Jessica Chastain's character. Yeah. Which she went to the old house Beverly. again. Ah, uh, Beverly. Yes, yeah. nice one. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it didn't feel it. We kind of saw it in the first one. Yeah. It this just like, uh, yeah, I don't know. The yeah. whole uh, she's still in an abusive relationship. She's still. Uh, mm. I, uh, but because she didn't remember the events of the first film. Yeah, of none the magic, of them did. Right? So therefore, she fell back into an abusive yeah, relationship yeah. because that's where she felt comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Which is sad in itself. Like, yeah. actually, quite deep. Uh, but yeah. it didn't come across It didn't uh, Because yeah. it only They, were, they spotted it for like 5 minutes only mm-hmm. Yeah anyway Again I agree with you Every single point That yeah this was overlong And just bloaty I, I think the film isn't an abject failure No no it's not It has some funny jokes yes. A couple of good performances yes. Some really great creature design actually uh, And set yes. design yes, And, yes, and yes, some yes, good yes, cinematography yes, yes. But when it, when it comes down to it It chapter 2 just isn't scary Or emotionally satisfying It is not stitched together properly la. Correct la, yeah. yeah. I mean all I can say is Bill Hader was the star mm-hmm. and, and poor Jessica Chastain And James McAvoy For it chapter 2 Dark Phoenix Yeah man Yeah, This could have been This is exactly like Dark Phoenix Oh shit yeah Poor, poor them Poor them Two Two Summer blockbuster failures in a row it, Like in the same month It's fucking nuts Box office failures as well I mean, this wasn't as as, as, as Dark as Phoenix. Uh, okay. Dark Phoenix was like that was whew, terrible, man. Boy, I think they made like one quarter of the budget. Fox, like, you know what? Let's just kill all the goodwill, all of it. Yeah, yeah, we're <laughs> yeah. moving already. Yeah, we're know? moving already. Let's they just are in already mood, yeah, so right. to speak. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, this isn't great, man. This yeah, is it was four, four out of ten for me. I'll I'll give it because in the end, I still kind of. I like the uh, five like give it five five okay. just la, just pass la. All right, all right. Yeah. Uh, next up, uh, I'll be delving into a small section I like to call quick hits, where I talk about the various things that my co-hosts haven't been able to watch because I watch TV and movies for a living. Um, first thing I like to talk about is Young Justice Outsiders. Um, after a six-month hiatus and five years of the air before that, Young Justice returns for the second half of its sprawling third season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Outsiders' latest stretch of episodes continues continues at a at a very fast pace, offering more adventures for the team and the Justice League as they attempt to stop both the light and apocalypse on the streets and in space. <laughs> uh, I think Outsiders is quite. Uh, I mentioned this in the f- in my first review like it's quite savvy politically in terms of exploring big issues like human trafficking and yeah. immigrant refugees and fake news campaigns and the rise of xenophobia in geopolitics especially for a young teen centric show or tween centric show mm. uh, the media battle between Lex Luthor and Batman behind the scenes is the most fascinating part of uh, part 2 mm. season 3 part 2 yeah. is what I felt uh, because they are both creating like these false flag Operations to make both sides look good on social media uh, is expected of Lex, but Batman trying to kind of out Trump Lex uh, crosses <laughs> a lot of ethical lines, and of course Batman can do it too if he wants to. Uh, it reinforces the idea that Batman values control over morality, and his manipulation of the League and the Outsiders and the covet and the COVID team uh, almost splits everyone apart. 
Uh, I think Outsiders is more concerned about metahuman ethics than superheroics this season. Mm. Tackling everything from diplomacy to social media to human rights to hu- eugenics. Yeah. Uh, yes, there is dark side and the light and granny goodness and the anti-life equation, but those are all just kind of plot devices. I yeah. think most impressively, the show... Sometimes it struggles to do this, but I think in the end it balances its scope and themes and skill, because uh, you don't you do feel lost sometimes, but they always manage to bring you back in eventually. Right. Yeah. Uh, despite the stro- sprawling characters and the dense storylines, mm. um, did you guys catch uh, Young Justice outside this? I haven't caught the second part yet. Okay. okay. Yeah, me neither. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you think, man? Um. Yeah, th- there were several points in the series where I felt. Young Justice was kind of juggling too many balls in the air, like way too many, like not one or two more balls in the air, but like twenty more balls in the air than wow. necessary. Yeah. Uh, but you know, there's like twenty extra subplots and twenty extra characters. But by the end, I think they stick the landing on all okay. the arcs. Okay. Thematically and in terms of the characters as well, um, the they finally foc the. F- Finale focus on Brion, who I think had the best arc of the season, mm-hmm. uh, and it really sh- used him to showcase the thin lines heroes should or should not cross, and how very legitimate human mistakes can blur those lines. Okay, okay. Uh, it has great action, especially in the finale. Compelling character dynamics. Young Justice remains a very solid and very enjoyable teen cartoon. Mm. Uh, the only slight downside is it sometimes feels very overstuffed. Too many ideas and too many stories jostling for attention, meaning that none of them can truly stand out. Do you feel like season three part two should have been its own season? It could have been, but season three part two carried too much from the first part. First part. Right. Yeah. So I don't think it could have st- stood, stood alone. Yeah. Okay. So it was. It's in the end. It's a seven out of ten for me. Okay. I liked it, but you know, it could have been better like, and not as good as the first two seasons. Mm. Uh, next up, I want to talk about something that I really like. Actually, it's Wait. uh, it's called Marian. What? Okay, correct. Marian, correct. Marian. Did you oh. watch Marian? Heaven, heaven. I thought you were gonna talk about the island. That one I want to talk about. Oh yeah, but that one is the last lah. Yeah. I wanna talk about the good stuff first. But yeah, the yeah. island is also on Netflix, by the way. Yes, Marian. Yes. Marion is an eight-episode French production uh-huh. that is now on Netflix. It follows a young author called Emma, who based a for a famous series of horror novels on nightmares that she's had since childhood. Okay. Despite the acclaim and fame she's gotten, she's she's decided to stop writing about horror to focus on quote unquote more grown-up literature. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, the minute she stops writing, oh, she's terrified to find out that the evil witch from her books and dreams, Marianne, <gasps> uh, has come to life to wreak havoc on her and her loved ones oh, back no. in her hometown. Uh, Marion wants Emma to continue writing her story, and she's possessing and all killing her friends and family back home to compel her to do so. Okay. Uh, now the series isn't emo- as emotionally gripping as The Haunting of Hill House, for example, but that's mm. a very high bar, uh, and it's not high art like Hereditary. Mm. But what it is, it's a really effective and really creepy and really atmospheric, straight up traditional horror that does the fundamentals really well. It's back to basics it's Really good scares And a really good story And a really good acting uh, More than just the frights The series protagonist Emma Is really compelling As a very f- Deeply flawed character uh, She is almost like uh, Like I mentioned uh, Once again Natasha Leon and Russian Doll Who happens yeah, yeah, to be yeah. That character is really in right now Yeah it is uh, She's unlikable But in an interesting way She's a straight up mess She's an alcoholic She's selfish She's self-destructive And she's ashamed Of some of the really Fucked up things She did during her Rebellious youth so her journey back to hometown isn't just scary because of you know the literal demon. She has a lot of figurative demons to confront when she's back home also because like, she's kind of fucked over and taken advantage of a lot of people. That's true. Uh, the part I was most hooked by is her relationships with her old friends and her parents. They appear to love her, but 
hmm, uh, you can see their resentment simmering underneath. Yeah. They want to forgive because she hasn't been back home in 15 years, but they haven't forgotten. Uh, alongside the mystery of who is the witch and what does she want, you're also curious about what the fuck did she do during her youth that pissed off so many people. Mm. Uh, Emma isn't the typical fearful, reactive horror protagonist. She's extremely pro- proactive to the point of being like super toxic. Uh, <laughs> she is very good at emotionally manipulating people and she disregards other people's well-being. So she's interesting to watch, even if she isn't cursed. Uh, and when you get to her backstory episode, which is a very well-executed emotional gut punch, uh, you kind of understand why she is the way she is. Yeah. Uh, she's inherently charming, but you know, once you get it, you know, she is a very compelling heroine. Uh, the show is nothing revolutionary, but it is solid, and it is addictive, and it is worth your time. Mm. It's a 7.5 out of 10 for me. Not bad. Yeah, really like this one. Uh, next up, I'm going to be talking about a new Amazon, I think. Yeah, uh-huh. I think it's Amazon Prime show called Carnival Row. Uh, it's set in a neo-Victorian world. It's a fantasy meets, meets neo-noir series that yeah. focuses on various races of fantastical creatures that also happen to be immigrants attempting to live side by side with humans who previously invaded their homelands. Mm. All these races, humans and mythical creatures live in a steampunk boiling pot city where human elites look down on fairies that talk in the streets yeah. uh, Not exactly helping The tension is a series Of grisly murders That rock the seedy slum Known as Carnival Row Which is where the show Gets its title from yeah. The slayings coincide With the separate arrivals Of <coughs> human detective Rycroft Philostrate Oh my god What a lame name uh, Played by Orlando Bloom yep. And exiled fairy Vignette Stonemoss Played by Cara Delevingne yep. Who are of course Star-crossed lovers Wait, wait for it Yeah With secrets Oh no Secrets It's a, it's an interesting premise But it's an exhaustingly Self-serious series <coughs> It's uh, needlessly convoluted And and um, Boring Oh boring Is the word um, The series isn't a total bust mm-hmm. There is Absolutely an audience For Carnival Row Just based on sol- Solely on the gorgeous Production design Which is really good Costuming uh, and I think that Cara Delevingne and Orlando Bloom has a lot of fans who which will probably enjoy this. I mean, know, pretty yeah, people who came yeah. up. Mm-hmm. It just isn't for me. La. Okay, it's a three out of ten. <coughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, next up, let's talk about the island. It's not I S L E N D. It's D I dash L E N D. Yeah. Uh, the basic premise is ten people. It's on Netflix, by the way. Yeah. Uh, ten people wake up on an island with no memory of who yeah. they are or how they got there. Hmm. They are of course part of some sort of experiment, but the question is what and why. Uh, don't bother because don't bother finding out lah. It's nothing about this lost ripoff. Will keep you watching past the Dude. first twenty minutes. Oh my god! The characters terribly written. The dialogue yep. is laughable. Yep. The acting is atrocious. Yep. And worst of all, it is boring. Boring. Um, nothing else to see to this except give it a miss. La. This sucks so bad. Yeah. Oh my god! I because I saw a like a random review on it, mm. so I was like, oh, I can't be that bad. I want to watch yeah, this. Yeah, it's really bad, man. It is so bad. So I just skip a few episodes to see, like you know, it has this like, oh, I let's try to be lost. Sure. You know, well, a lot of shows try to be lost and have although fail, but are better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lots of lost. But this shows was there. ridiculously bad. Yeah. Ridiculously bad. Yeah. Do you get through it? Uh, I watched about thirty minutes of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah I I watched like the first twenty minutes or the first episode. Like they were like. It was just over here like, wow, What the fuck was that man Yeah Yeah but okay Anyway yeah It's, it's like a 1 out of 10 for me la. Uh, It is a 0 out of 10 for me Okay <laughs> But what is a, Where does the 1 come from The 1 is on Netflix la. Maybe that's all la. Oh convenience Convenience la. La. 
But it's not in the context of, Never mind Ken There is nothing Yeah convenience There's nothing else Going for it at all Literally nothing else Like why did Netflix Give money to these people That's why I, Like Netflix is just like Throwing money out there I think they, I And think, just see what sticks I don't think this is A Netflix production They bought it Or oh. it was sold to them Or sold to them Still lah yeah, yeah. But they, they didn't pay For the production you see. Yeah yeah okay, okay Yeah they only paid For the distribution rights Which is significantly cheaper For Maybe. something That people might click on yeah. Because it is Lost-esque And there's Kate Bosworth and, Yeah you know, Kate Bosworth And, and, yeah, and all that With like her weird ex Okay yeah, whatever Let's uh, say about this better lah Yeah It's a 0 out of 10 for me And 1 out of 10 from Hardy Yeah uh, Next up Let's talk about A Jurassic World short film hey. Written and directed By Colin yeah. Trevorrow uh, This was fun It is called The Battle at Big Rock Yeah uh, And Colin Trevorrow Will actually be directing Jurassic World 3 Yep uh, So this follows it up uh, mm. It's interesting that you watch Battle at Big Rock Because you didn't watch Jurassic World 2 No, I did after that. Oh, so you do know what happened, like yeah, dinosaurs, yeah. the uh, dinosaurs unleashed, yeah. unleashed, and then it was now the dinosaurs' world. Correct. So mm. this eight-minute shot is uh, takes this one year after Post, the events yeah. of uh, Jurassic World, Fallen mm-hmm. Kingdom, in Big Rock National Park, where dinosaurs are now living. Uh, the story follows a family of four whose encounter with these wild animals become a terrifying fight for survival. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, what do you think about this? It was fun. Okay. I mean, uh, it's fun because it kind of sets up what you expect in the next Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't expect you know Jurassic World to be what Jurassic Park was. Mm. We kind of the the ship has already sailed. Jurassic Park two and three weren't what, weren't what Jurassic Park, Park one was. was. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you know, but one thing that Jurassic World does very well is good dinosaur action. Okay. You know, overall, uh, even though some of the CGI can be a bit mi- like iffy. It's a short film on FX. B- but yeah, but why I love this? Why I love this was because first of all, they shot it at night. Whenever you do night shoots with CGI and all that, right? It it makes the CGI a lot better because you can hide a lot of details, mm. so you can make it look a lot more realistic mm. than if you were to do a day shoot, lah. For example, okay. um, the the little story of the camping grounds getting attacked and all that, okay, lah. It was fun, lah. You know, mm. the baby crying is such a it's such a trope mm. that the baby would cry at the most worst opportune uh, moment, lah. Mm-hmm. Um, that that there was that horror that that that, that um, uh, the di- what the, the carnosaur, yeah, it's, it's a carnosaur. That was attacking them, or no no, so Elasaur. Yeah, was attacking them. Sorry, Elasaur. So you just said carnivorous dinosaur and you combined it. No no, no there's carnosaur. There's carnosaurus. Okay. Uh, but there's also Elasaurus. Elo. Elo, sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So this is the Elasaurus. Elasaurus is bigger than the Rex. No, right? smaller, but smaller. then it has longer arms. Oh, yeah, so yeah, it yeah. has longer reach. Longer reach, yeah. correct. It has three instead of two fingers. Otherwise, virtually identical. Uh huh. <laughs> oh, sorry, it's a UFC joke. <laughs> I you know, know, I know. <laughs> 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 but again, for five minutes, this was fun. I, I, it made me look forward to, uh, made me kind of want to watch Jurassic World three lah. Ah, okay. Yeah, that was why, I, and I was just impressed at the CGI. How would you rate it? Like a seven, I guess. Okay. Because it was fun. It was really fun for what it was. It was five minutes, very short, very quick, and very well executed. Uh, I, 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 I watched it as well because it's yeah. like eight minutes, right? All in all, I thought the short film proves that Colin Trevorrow can be just as boring in eight minutes as he is in two oh. hours. So. I did not think so this mean. One. <laughs> this is this is uh five out of ten for me. Uh. I loved it. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's it's two dinosaurs the, fighting. Yeah, but it focused on the four boring people. Yeah, I know. But once in a while, then the baby cry. Fucking just eat the baby lah. What the fuck? It's okay. And then the crossbow girl. Yeah, which they set up again, which is such a trope with Jurassic Park now. It la. is, you know, like going back to Jurassic Park two with the. Uh, My expectations of Jurassic World is very the low. The gymnast girl that fucking executed the triple flip. Like, oh, that was in Jurassic Park two. Yeah, that was Lost World, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess there is a tradition there. There is. That, yeah. yeah. Just black too, right? Two, two, two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's it for quick hits. Uh, mm-hmm. next up, I'll be jumping into the pool. 
Minutes yeah. Which is uh, reading recommendations So this month I have two things to recommend And both from the same writer Oh, okay. Called Karen Gillan ah. Did you, uh, Do you know who Karen Gillan is? No, okay, no, so I he don't. is uh, Kind of a, an indie star So to speak Not as big as Brian K. Vaughan But getting up there Because he has a series of uh, Really well-reviewed uh, Award-winning titles mm-hmm. First thing I want to talk about Is The Wicked and the Divine Which has been In my opinion One of the best fantasy comics Of this decade uh, Right up there with Marjorie Lou's Monstrous And, and Brian K. Vaughan's Saga Oh, wow okay. it's, it's one of the few comics I read month to month uh, Which is why I'm sad That the series concluded At issue 45 just this month oh. uh, But what better time than now To encourage everyone To go out and read the series Because you can just Pick it up all at once You know No mm-hmm. more waiting mm-hmm. uh, Writer Kieran Gil- uh, Kieran Gillen I can never pronounce that name Kieran yeah. Kieran Gillen Kieran. Uh, With art by James McElvey. Uh They worked <laughs> together On Young Avengers prior Ah right, uh, right okay. Yeah the, the blockbuster series Follows a teenage girl Laura As she interacts With a group Called the Pantheon These are a group Of dogs but that they are reincarnated deities. Mm-hmm. Uh, this discovery grants them pop star fame and godlike power, with the stipulation that they will all die within two years. Oh wow! As okay. part of a ninety-year cycle known as the recurrence. Uh, yes, gods are reincarnated as pop stars, okay. and yes, godhood is also a terminal illness. Okay. <laughs> uh, death was guaranteed from the start. And the book repeatedly delivered with a body count that rivals Game of Thrones. Wow. Uh, the book's lead, Laura, started out as a fangirl of the Pantheon mm-hmm. before ascending to godhood, which is when her life went to just utter shit. Um, okay. The plot continues to twist and turn, and uh, the Wicked and the Divine kept its focus on Laura's grief, depression, and self-destructive behavior. Uh, the premise also played with pop cultural myths like the 27 Club. The mm-hmm. idea of live fast, die young yeah. But as the series progressed is, It began to ask hard questions Like what kind of person would buy into this myth, these myths mm-hmm. you know? I hope I die before I get old you know, That kind of myths uh, Who wants to believe that about themselves Eventually Laura starts to ask these questions herself Godhood she realized is a trap And maybe there was a way out uh, this is a beautiful book Very very gorgeously drawn And immensely addictive mm-hmm. I am almost jealous That uh, you people listening To this recommendation Will get to read All 45 issues At one go <laughs> uh, Because you know I was picking it up week to week, uh, Month to month actually Man And plus there were some gaps In between You know and Took like 3 month breaks And 4 month breaks oh, Like Saga does yeah. and, and Monstrous does uh, But unlike other books There's almost A TV episodic quality To The Wicked and Divine Because mm-hmm. it doesn't just Tell an engrossing story It plays with form and style to deliver unique experimental issues from issue to issue, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is one issue uh, where every the story is set to a techno beat. Okay. Uh, there is one that remixes panels from previous issues. Oh. Uh, there is one that was just in a fashion magazine. Uh, right. There's one that squeezed in six thousand years of human history into eleven pages. That's uh, the book is phenomenal. It's a nine out of ten for me. Very wow. interesting, if you're, uh, especially if you're into fantasy and yeah. pop star myths. Uh, yeah. Next one is uh, something called Die D I E. Also by Karen. Also uh, by Kieran Kieran uh, Gillen. If it you're Kieran, Kieran. Mm. if you're into the Wicked and Divine, if you're sad la, that the Wicked and Divine is ending, uh, and you want more, uh, why not check out this new series on Image Comics? Die is a story. It's a comic about um, tabletop RPG game combat. I'm so. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm so so. But uh, not in a fun Jumanji kind of way. Die is very bleak. It's very full of pain. 
In it, six teenagers disappear for two years in the early 90s when they are sucked into the game. Mm. When they come back, they can't and won't say what's happened to them because it's too traumatic. Mm-hmm. Now, 25 years later, that they discover the game isn't over. Uh, it's a heady combination of fascinating world building, uh, compellingly broken characters, tearing each other apart, sometimes emotionally, sometimes literally, and, and striking artwork. Uh, you are immediately drawn into the mysteries of this new realm and a hodgepodge of specifically genre, fantasy, and archetypes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and an lot teenager's idea of what over-the-top grimness or, or grim- grimness means uh, that reads both as a critique of high fantasy and edgy teens. Mm. Uh, you're also drawn to the traumas of a dice cast. Um, not just in the two years they suffer off-panel, being trapped in under the wall, yeah. but in the 25 more they endure after the first issue flashes forward to the modern day. Uh, they all try to find a way to cope with a sense of normality in the wake of existential trauma. Mm-hmm. How they've grown and changed, uh, shaped not just by their time in literal dark fantasy, but also just by, by living life, you know, growing up, having kids, getting jobs, dealing with emotional problems. But beyond that, it also deals with friends who are drifted apart, but are now forced together again by a cryptic signal that asks them to return to the nightmare that robbed them of their childhoods. Uh, It's a series about the need for and the perils of escapism, Mm. of escaping the real world. Uh, And it's also a book about why people are enchanted by role-playing. It's kind of like that animated Dungeons and Dragons show from the 80s, except <laughs> like the inverse. Kids who find themselves stuck in the land of swords and sorcery get immeasurably fucked up by the experience yeah. instead of having a great time. Yeah. Uh, the clash between the real and fasta- fantastical is what makes Die such an enthralling read. It's about role-playing as an art form and why we fall in love with it as a tool of escapism, but also the danger of leaning too much into escapism to avoid regular hardships. Right. Uh, it's an 8 out of 10 so far. Uh, the book obviously has not ended So I cannot you know, How many issues judge in? it It is 12, 13, 14 15 issues in mm, uh, okay. So you guys should definitely check it out I'm about into issue 11 So I, even I'm not caught up yet oh, right. But I will be as well uh, Sounds good Next month uh, Isa will be in Bali Yes I will For a long uh, overdue And much deserved holiday Yes, yes. What, will you, what will you be doing in Bali Isa? I will be doing BJJ I'll be learning how to surf And hopefully do some writing Slash recording some music Nice Isa also uh, off Sub Shaman and Blank Verse uh, Also a musician So he's going to be focusing on his art Yeah uh, Instead of talking about it here <laughs> uh, But in his place We will be inviting uh, Actually Exactly one year ago You might have listened to him On this podcast mm-hmm. uh, Christopher Falk Who came on our Last year's October edition mm, So it's, it's an annual thing He is our ha- annual Halloween guest uh, Chris will be joining us To talk about Joker uh, Me and Hadi Will be talking about The first part Of the last season Of Bojack Horseman Which has been divided Into two parts First part will be October, October And then January Will be part two, part two. Uh, we'll also be talking about a new animated series. Well, it's not really a series. Uh, it's a mini-series. Yeah. Five episodes of 20 minutes. Very yeah. easy to get through. It's called Primal mm. by Gennady Gnorski, uh, mm. the creator of Samurai Jack. Mm-hmm. We'll be talking about Terminator Dark Fate. I can't wait. Uh, Confirm stupid. James Cameron is back. Yeah. You know, it's this looks pretty good. I have to say, I saw uh, Mackenzie okay, Davis and, and, and Tim Miller, director of Deadpool. And Ghost Rider la. And, and Ghost Rider and, and Sarah Connor The original Sarah Connor Is back yes. you know, so Lisa Ham- uh, Linda Hamilton Linda Hamilton yeah. um, So who knows You know yeah. And it is uh, Doing what Halloween did oh, it, okay. it is erasing uh, Terminator 3, 4 oh. and 5 From canon <laughs> yeah. And it's going back to So this is a direct Follow up to Terminator 2 Thank God for time travel huh? Did uh, not no, e- they no, don't know yeah. Yeah, they, yeah It just It never happened It though. never happened they, they, It's gone the way of Star So Trek. it's retcon it, 
No lah It is just gone away A Star Trek EU lah It doesn't count Okay If it's not by If James Cameron Or didn't Star Wars uh, Legends lah uh, Yes oh, correct. Yeah Yeah yeah. So uh, Hopefully this is good If not they have to Retcon again mm-hmm. <laughs> Well Dark Genesis Wasn't that bad lah oh, okay. Eh no sorry sorry no, Wrong 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 Wasn't uh, that the worst No no not Dark Genesis um, What's the one with Kristen Bill uh, Terminator 3 no no no. Oh, no, 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 no. It was called something else. It was not what Terminator Three. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What was that called? Four. Four or something. Yeah, can't remember yes. Yes. But yeah, that one was not bad. Okay. But that was like a post-apocalyptic world, mm. and you know, it wasn't focused on the whole like. Yeah. Man, they could have done more of it too, Of course, of course. I really wish that 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 whole movie would have been shot like Children of Men, you know. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like him journeying through the post-apocalyptic world, just but fuck the time travel, just him yeah. trying to survive, you know. Yeah. But whatever, lah. That's just me fancy booking. Exactly. Uh, we'll also be talking about uh, Carmen San Diego, uh, uh, an animation show we really liked yeah. last yeah. year. Uh, second season comes back on Netflix on yeah. October first. Uh, so the day that you listen to us Go watch Come in San Diego Yeah uh, I'll be Recapping and reviewing Carol on Tuesday Which mm-hmm. Aisa Fong already talked about And I will give my two cents I When think I might the show wraps up, up. Wow. It's not When you come back yeah, yeah, yeah I'll be talking about the second season Of The Terror as well Called The Terror Infamy that Set I'll be doing a Japanese review. internment camp Yeah I'll be talking about A zombie movie called Little Monsters uh, Which is going to be out on Hulu Okay uh, It's a comedy Okay. Uh, I'll be talking about Gemini Man, where old Will Smith fights young Will Smith. Have you watched it yet? No, no, right? It's not out yet. It's not out yet. Okay. Yeah, I uh, saw the early reviews already. <laughs> yeah, but then let's not talk. A lot of people it. were talking that Ang Lee's technolo- technological advances were great. Yeah, but yeah, they yeah. didn't actually talk about the movie for good reason, uh. So <laughs> oh, you you. No, I saw the reviews. I read the reviews, oh, but I haven't watched okay. it. It's not out yet. Uh. So Gemini Man finds Will Smith fighting Will Smith. Himself. Uh, we'll also be talking about Living With Yourself on Ooh. Netflix, which is Paul Rudd fighting Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, yeah. Uh, where Paul Rudd goes to a daycare, a spa, yeah. and wants to be a better version of himself. Yeah. But he finds when he comes home, a better version of himself is there. Yeah. And he has to fight him. <laughs> uh, but this is obviously a comedy, because yeah, it's, yeah, Paul yeah, it's Paul Rudd. Uh, we'll be talking about the sequel to Maleficent called Maleficent Two. Mistress of Evil. Yes, Maleficent 2, no, of course. <laughs> Mistress of Evil. And uh, the new season of Big Mouth also on yeah. Netflix. I'll be also talking about uh, currently or oh, in my last fifty pages. I'm reading the Testaments by Margaret Atwood. Oh, oh nice! Excellent. The sequel to The Handmaid's Tale, mm-hmm. the real one, mm-hmm. not the Hulu one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, Chris will be recommending a book of his choosing. Mm, nice. So, uh, catch us next month. Uh, till then, this has been Hit Zero. I'm Hardy. I'm Isa. Goodbye. Bye bye.